welcome to Recast, presented by the Baptist Union of Scotland. Each episode will look at a key issue of mission or discipleship for church leaders in Scotland. We will be bringing you key voices, practical insights and unique stories, all focused on the church in Scotland. Welcome to the Recast. My name's Glenn and I'm here with my co-host Lisa. Hello everybody. It's just absolutely lovely to be back with you again. How are you doing today, Glenn? I am okay. Uh, yeah, I'm okay. Um, the world is falling apart around us, it seems. And uh, uh, we should say we're recording this on the day that uh, Russia has invaded Ukraine and uh Boris Johnson and his uh, team have decided that COVID no longer exists in England. So yeah, I mean it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, I just think. suddenly overnight, it's uh, magically all changed. Um, it's all. But changed. you know what? It's it actually just gone. adds to um, two years worth of growing anxiety, doesn't it? And we're not, you know, we're we're looking yeah. at the world and Europe in a different way than most of us have ever seen it right now, and. Um, you know, then there's for us in that kind of anxiety around, but COVID hasn't really gone away, but all the regulations are going to go away. And what does that mean for us? Um, and I mean, I had COVID recently and it, it wasn't a whole lot of fun, really. I wouldn't, you know, recommend it to people. Um, yeah. <laughs> it probably wasn't the worst version, but um, definitely, yeah. if, you know, I, I'm really concerned for family and friends who are vulnerable and bit yeah. uh, compromised in their health you know it it adds a whole layer doesn't it of anxiety yeah. and challenge really about the way we live yeah there's, there's something about that isn't there because you know felt like we were getting to a place that um you know spring's coming it's a bit sun i mean there's snow on the yeah. ground but the sun the sun's shining and uh it's uh, there was a sense of oh maybe things are getting yeah. better maybe maybe we're not where we were and uh, feeling just like oh maybe we could have a summer holiday this year and all some of those like very like material things that felt quite different and then um, the well both the the UK and the Scottish governments have announced their kind of plans for relaxing of uh, restrictions and suddenly at least around some of the folks I'm around, there's, there's a kind of actually rather than a lessening of anxiety, there's a, an increase yeah. of it because it's like, well, what does this mean for this person and that person? And um, and I guess even in a church context, you know, okay, no masks anymore. Well, that's great. And then straight away you're like, oh, but what does that mean for person X and mm -hmm. person Y who are, who are vulnerable? Um, and so you think, oh, wait a minute, there's a little bit more anxiety. And then we have war mm -hmm. in Europe mm -hmm. and, and, I mean, most of us have never really, I mean, I guess we've had the Balkans mm -hmm. at, at, at some point, but for the most part, we've never really lived with that. Yeah. And so we're kind of back in this place where there's heightened anxiety and certainly those of us who exist in social media mm -hmm. world, you know, my uh, my timeline this morning was just like, it, it, it would be abnormal not to feel anxious after reading uh, yeah, the Yeah, that's just exactly that. true, isn't it? And I, and I, you know, there's obviously concerns around finance and fuel and yeah. and there's there's a big challenge there. You know, what does it mean? What does it mean to trust God right now? What does mm. it mean to love him? What does it mean to love each other? 
how does that yeah. work itself out um, in the context of this feeling where Absolutely. I think when we feel anxious, we, we tend to kind of want to look after ourselves a lot, don't we? Um, protect ourselves. And, you know, but actually that's not what we're called to do as followers of Jesus. Um, yeah, and I think, it, you know, that, that if I contrast my Twitter timeline with what you've just said, that's exactly it. Nearly all the Twitter timeline stuff was stuff like, Oh, get you know, fuel prices are going to get even more expensive, and uh, you know, my my uh, my pension pot's now worth next to nothing because the stock market's just crashed, and um, a very kind of self-focused, or you know, at least a very small world focus. Um, but the call to love others and to think of what this means for those beyond their own four walls, and you know, there's been some helpful stuff this morning thinking about our brothers and sisters in Ukraine yeah. and, and in Russia and how we how we pray for them but the really that sense of um, of fear and anxiety and uh, concern does turn it turn us in on ourselves which I guess is what why we're, we're told you know we weren't given a spirit mm-hmm. of fear but one of, mm-hmm. of power and of love and of self-discipline and this sense of Actually, we need to live into yeah. that in this moment and somehow beyond that. Yeah. However, however, we have been talking these last couple of episodes all about uh, mental health and well-being and how we care for ourselves. And and I think it's important we don't just say, we'll just try harder. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, definitely. That's, that's not the message just now. No, it? no, absolutely. It's it, it's complex in every respect, isn't it? And um, yeah. receiving God's peace, his well-being, it is a kind of a whole experience, isn't it? Um, not just a, yeah. a few words that you can say and make yourself somehow feel better immediately. Um, and, I, yeah. and that complexity yeah. takes good thinking. And the absolute joy for us today is that we're going to get and sit and listen to uh, a very intelligent man uh, who's deeply rooted in practice and going to help us think a bit about uh, mental health and well-being. And that is uh, Professor... John Swinton. I'm really looking forward to this. Well, we're delighted to have Professor John Swinton with us uh, today. Uh, John, welcome to the podcast. Nice to be here. Uh, John, I wonder if you could maybe just give us a little bit of your background and your biography. I introduced you as Professor. What are you a professor of that's a good question many people have asked that <laughs> I'm, a professor, I'm a professor in practical theology so practical theology is, is that dimension of theology that uh, explores the interface between uh, uh, academic theology if you like and the culture and the, and the work of the church so it works it takes theology and says what does that look like for the practices of the church effectively mm-hmm. so that's the kind of short definition but it's probably enough that's basically what it is. And, and how do you end up oh sorry no, how did I end up as a professor yeah I don't know many many times in my like I don't know because my, my background is in uh, in, in nursing so I, I nursed for 16 years or so in the area of mental health and learning, and learning disability or intellectual disabilities it tends to be called now um, and I really enjoyed that. Like, um, but then I, I thought I would leave. Well, I, I left nursing in 1989, roughly, to go and do uh, a theology degree. And I thought at that time I'd, I'd end up in, in uh, hospital chaplaincy. 
And I did for a while. Like I, I enjoyed that very much. Um, but once I started my degree, I knew that I wanted to teach practical theology. It just, it just resonated. It just I found my vocation, if you like, really. Uh, and so uh, I finished my, my degrees and then I got a job in Glasgow to begin with. And then I ended up in Aberdeen where I've been since 19, working here since 1997. So I'm one of the old school. <laughs> um, but Aberdeen's been good for me because effectively it's allowed me to take my previous professional experience in mental health and, and, and intellectual disability uh, and ask the question, uh, how do we understand this theologically? How do I understand this experience and the experiences that I gathered from being with people who see the world slightly differently? And how do we make uh, sense of that theologically? And why does that matter? And that's basically what I've been doing for the past 20 odd years. And I suspect we'd be able to read some of that if we went on your uh, biography on the university website. And so one of the questions we've started asking people uh, when they come on is, Tell us something about John Swinton that we couldn't read on your biography on uh, the on the internet. Yeah, I've always wanted to be a rock and roll star. <laughs> and I still do actually, because yeah, I, 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 for, for years I'm a musician. I, I, I sing, write songs, and things like. That. For years, when I was younger, I, I spent my time trying to be rich and famous. Well, maybe not so much rich and famous. Trying to be a professional musician. And so I toured around Scotland. I played with Runrig for a, a tour of Scotland, which was very interesting. Wow. I, yeah. I, I, and I did, uh, I did all sorts of things in terms of recording things and doing sorts of stuff. I never did it. It never, it never really worked out in the end, like, because I blame the system, but it may have been, it may have been me. <laughs> We're looking forward to that, aren't we? John Swinton, the album. Professor yeah, John it. Swinton, the album. I think that, that's the exactly. one to look out for. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, and say that Lisa, because I, uh, in the past couple of years, with a, I get a gentleman in, in Canada, um, uh, Roy Salmon, who's uh, he, produces, he produces music. So, with a bit of luck, by the end of this year, you're right, John Swinton, the album will be coming out. Fantastic. So that'll, be, that'll be a new, and maybe I will become rich and famous in, <laughs> in my retirement. There you go. Wow, there you go. And um, when it when the album comes out, you have to come back on the podcast and we'll turn it into a music session for the day. That'd be brilliant. <laughs> what, what 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 do you play? Because I know loads of our people listening now are going to be like, what, what what are you? Are you the lead singer? Are you a musician? What's your what's your part? Uh, well, when I was in bands, I, I was the lead singer and I was the lead guitar player. And uh, now I I I write songs, I sing but most of the work I do is on acoustic guitar. Uh, it feels really hard to pivot back to a, a, a conversation about mental health after that, but I suspect playing music is good for your mental it's health. Too. My mental health yeah, yeah, yeah. John, we've, we've been um, exploring the area of mental health and well-being over our last uh, few episodes, but um, and you've given your professional life, if you, as you've described, to thinking in this area. And I, I wonder if you could talk to us about um, how we should be thinking theologically about particularly mental health and well-being uh, as people of faith? Yeah, well, uh, the first thing I would say is that um, what we need to think about uh, is collaboration. So collaboration between the mental health professions and collaboration between churches and, the and theologians and pastoral cares is key. So it's, it's not like the church brings something that is an alternative to standard medical practices, although sometimes it's a challenge, as it should be. It's actually something that's complementary. However, having said that, 
the, the big question for me is, what does the church bring? And what does theology bring? Because often, which people sometimes think about theology and, and, and medicine or psychiatry, you kind of just think, well, how can we build on this foundation and kind of be slightly uh, less medicalized version of the, prof- in the health professions, which is understandable, but probably not helpful in the sense that, what do we bring to the table? Um, and that's what, that's what I'm interested in. And there's a number of things, but one thing we bring to the table is a different uh, model of health and healing. So, you know, the Bible doesn't have a, a word for a biomedical understanding of health, which would be the absence of illness, uh, which is the way that medicine and psychiatry move. And that's because that's what they're intended to do. And that's not a bad thing. You know, if, you get, if you're ill, you want to be better. However, that's not the way that the scripture works. So the way the Bible works, the closest word to health would be the word shalom, which at one level is peace, but it's big, broad peace, peace in society, peace between people, peace with the environment, and so on and so forth. But certainly at the heart of that understanding is is that um, health has to do with righteousness and holiness, right relationship with God. So it's not to do with your physical or, or, or psychological state. It's to do with your ability to hold on to God even in difficult times. And so, so I think we bring that. Now, when you think about people who have enduring mental health challenges, who in a sense are going to be, by one model of health, always ill, by this model of health, you don't have to always be ill. You can be healthy even in the midst of illness. And I think if we bring that to the table, then that's really important. So what do you need to feel like in the health? Well, you need a community. You need friendship. You need to be able to um, be honest about this, the struggles and the trials that you're going through. And when you, for example, going through the, the deep darkness of depression, you need to have, have a space where people understand that and don't say, well, you must have not had enough faith or you must have prayed, have not prayed enough. In a place where you're safe and where you're held by it by, by, by uh, your community and at a minimum that is what uh, the church and its theology brings to the table of healing uh, and that's oftentimes things that particularly people with highly stigmatized conditions don't get in society so that's the way I, I think about uh, what theology and the church I think the two are tied together uh, bring to this area wow I, I think that that reframing of 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 the, the absence of illness and then uh, the the what we bring in, in shalom is is enormously significant and I think well frankly it's that that's a new way of thinking for me in in, in this area I, I don't think I've ever really put it like that um I want I wonder could could you talk a little more to that in the sense of how how would you understand us actually being able to talk about that in a way that would be understandable to, you know, the, the other, you know, the, the others that we would be collaborating with, because because they're quite protective often of their own space of, you know, uh, uh, the, the medical space and, or, you know, the, the psychological um, uh, services space. But if we're bringing something different, how, how do we talk about that in a way that's understandable and not kind of lost to them a little yeah, well, the, that's that's a good question. So if you take something like um, community, sitting at the heart of community is the relationship of friendship, right? And so friendship, if you look at the, the way that Jesus frames friendship in the Gospels, it's, it's very radical. Uh, he's friends with the outsider, with, with the sinner, the outcast and the prostitute. Not people who are reformed outcasts and the prostitutes, people who are just going about their business for better or for worse. And he offers them 
friendship. Uh, likewise, when it comes to, uh, you know, in John's gospel, Jesus says, I, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. So friendship becomes the essence of discipleship. So to be a disciple is to be a friend of Jesus. To be a friend of Jesus is to be able to be with people who society very often stigmatizes and marginalizes. So at that level, it sits quite nicely. Take that and place that in, in conversation with uh, the research data that says that uh, good solid uh, communities and good solid friendships can be protective for things like depression, can be helpful in, in recovery from various forms of violence. And you see the two, and you can see that the two are not in any sense apart. So if we, it, it's not necessary for the National Health Service to be converted to Christianity for, to, to see the relevance of what a religious community can bring to the table. And it's not difficult to evidence-base that in language that, uh, that um, medics and psychiatrists could, re could resonate with and identify with. Um, John, I, I just um, really struck by what you just said a minute ago about um, having health in the midst of sickness. I'm not quite sure what you said there, but there was something really profound, uh, a well-being in the midst of illness or something. Uh, uh, do, do, you think we, do you think we value people more if we consider them to be well, in our version of well? Um, do you think we we struggle with not being able to fix people, um, and, and yeah. our aim is kind of around that? I, I just really struck me that whole thing. I think we do, and I think partly because we live in a, a highly medicalized culture where you can't think about uh, sickness or health without first of all thinking about medicine, and yet most of the healing that goes on in society is through your friends, through your community, and so on. So psychologically, we're actually attuned to, to fix and mend things when it comes to mental or physical health. And the idea of just dwelling in it is, is culturally alien in that way. But as, which, which, and that, that raises big problems for, for people who are always going to be ill by that definition. You know, if you, if you live with schizophrenia over a period of time, you're, you're always going to have these experiences. The question is, can you find... Uh, uh, well-being in that? Can you find a sense of meaning and purpose and hope and value? Can you find supporting communities that can enable you to, to feel and experience these things, which is the essence of what I think health and healing really are. Um, and so you, you, you need to shift cultural mindset away from fixing and mending to simply being. Mm. You know, it's interesting, I mean, if you look at the ministry of Jesus, yes, there, there was that, that fixing and mending dimension, but a lot of the time he just hung around with people. He didn't fix and mend them. He just, he just was with them in that, in that sense. And I think that, you know, uh, uh, psychiatry in this case, and medicine exists to fix and mend people, and that's fantastic. You certainly wouldn't want that. But the church exists to be with people, to, to, to help people to see Jesus through presence, through acceptance, and, and finding that, a, a different mode of healing as opposed to curing in the midst of that. It's actually actually a huge relief as a as a church leader or a church member, isn't it? Is is that actually it's not my job to make everything right? Um, because I think we we carry that um, mantle a little bit too much some of the time, don't we? And and actually, it's just around valuing every person made in the image of God, regardless of all the circumstances we all, we all carry. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um. Just to kind of slightly change direction a little bit. Um. You are, I think, an ambassador for an organisation called Sanctuary. Can you I tell am. us a little bit more about that? Yes, Sanctuary is a Vancouver-based organisation that uh, produces material for congregations 
uh, and how best to understand uh, and uh, create communities that can be accepting of people who perceive things slightly differently. So they have some fantastic materials, which even better are free, uh, which you can sit down and, and work through um, with the congregation, a small group or a large group or whatever it is. The idea being just to um, get rid of caricatures and and stigmatising values and find ways of being with people that are theologically sound, but also what I like about sanctuary and and psychologically sound. So they bring together the two in a a very good and useful way. So they're based in Vancouver, but they now have a a UK, London-based aspect to them. But all of the materials are online. Uh, and anybody that listening, I would recommend that you use it. It's a great way of opening up space for these kinds of conversations. That sounds really excellent. And just um, this is so often about having um, uh, arrows in our quiver or tools in our toolbox exactly. and around, you know, ways to be able to explore um, this such an important issue uh, well together as churches as well, because, you know, yeah. we want to be a place where people feel safe and it's okay for them to not be okay and all that kind of stuff and that's, that's right. really helpful um th- i mean this podcast is a lot around equipping leaders um and we know that along with mostly everybody else um people have struggled more perhaps with their own mental health and well-being over this past season or maybe it's just become more to the surface than it had done before um h- how might you uh, encourage us to do that well um to look after our own well-being. Well, I think the beginning point is to, to be honest and don't, not to pretend that you don't have these things and not to pretend that Christians shouldn't have these things. Christians are human beings. We all ha- have these things. But I think the, the underlying theological principle for me would be uh, learn how to love yourself. You know, when Jesus says that the essence of the law and the prophets is to love God, uh, love neighbour and love self, we're, often we're good at loving God and loving neighbour but not so good at loving self. But it's a command. It's all part of the same love dynamic that Jesus is talking about there. You know, you're loving God, and therefore you can't help but love your neighbour, and therefore you can't help but loving yourself. That doesn't mean to say you have to become a narcissist. <laughs> you don't have to fall in love with yourself. But you have to you have to treat yourself in the way that you treat your neighbour, treat yourself in the way that you respect God. Um, and if you get yourself into difficulties, find people person, people, to talk about these things. Don't be ashamed of, of uh, opening up. Find the right people to, to talk to. And don't be ashamed of, of eventually having to take professional help if you have to do that. You know, if, if you've got appendicitis, you don't just roll around and wait for God to fix it. You, you know, you go to your doctor and the surgeon takes it out. It's not any different with, uh, with psychological issues. That's just another aspect of the body, your brain. Yeah, I think that's that's so important, isn't it? There's um, there's quite a funny video out there, I think, of somebody um, with lots of people speaking to them, and and it's really, you know, you feel quite kind of offended by it, and and they're the kind of things that we say to ourselves that we would never that's say right. to other people. And um, yeah, I think that's a good wake up call, isn't it? Sometimes to yeah. listen to what we're saying to ourselves, and then yeah. actually it's a challenge, isn't it? Am I loving myself? in the way that yeah. God would want me to. Um, be kind and polite to yourself in the same way as you read to other people. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Maybe I need to work on the kindness and politeness to other people. Anyway. Everybody does. <laughs> 
Yeah, that, I, John, this has been really, really helpful. Um, I, I wonder, just as a last question, and I'm interested, you've talked a lot about friendship as one of the things that the church can offer. And um, it's a word we can kind of throw around quite easily and it trips off the tongue, you know, oh, we should be friends. But, it, you know, there's a complexity to that with people who are living with with illness, Um uh, uh, in in there and and you've obviously got experience of that you know professionally thinking about it but also professionally working with those who um i think you said at the beginning see the world differently um uh, could you maybe just talk a little bit about how some of the challenges of being friends with people who in that sense see the world differently yeah well i mean <clears throat> one of the important things about friendship is it has boundaries Otherwise, it becomes either an imposition or, or, or overwhelms you. I mean, it's not a coincidence that Jesus goes out in boats and goes up to the mountains from time to time. It's exhausting. And, and so, sometimes, you know, when, when people, uh, you with people can overwhelm you and it can be an exhausting experience when somebody has just lost their boundaries. And so I think that recognising that friendship needs to be nurtured, needs to be not controlled, but needs to be recognised that there are are parameters within that. That, you know, for all of us, most of us do it naturally. Some of us need to be encouraged and helped to see that these boundaries are there. Uh, And I think if we bear that in mind, alongside of that idea of loving ourselves, then it's not a good thing to be overwhelmed by anybody in that way then we can negotiate a friendship that suits us both. And all, all friendships are, uh, are a matter of negotiation. We, you know, we just do it consciously and not consciously. You know, if you think about your own friends, there's some things you would say and things you wouldn't say, otherwise they wouldn't be friends for very long. So you know, it just may have to be sometimes, depending on your circumstances, that, that these boundaries need to be more intentionally kept in place. That, that that's really helpful I mean, we could do a whole podcast on that i think but uh um i mean i'm conscious you, you've written a number of books in in this area uh one that came out a couple of years ago i think called finding jesus in the storm which i think touches on some of these issues that we've talked about today are there any of your other books or anything that you would point people to who are saying oh i really like this how can i hear some more of of john um in relation to mental health, probably a book I wrote 20-odd years ago still seems to be helpful. And it's called Resurrecting the Person. And the subtitle is uh, Friendship in the Lives of People with Mental Health Problems, I, I, I think is how I framed it. And it just explores the, the issue around, well, what, what did Jesus' friendships look like? And how do these friendships work themselves out, in that case, in the context of people living with schizophrenia? So it's an old book now. But I think the actual message and the actual model of community it pushes towards uh, is, is relevant and topical. Great. Well, we'll put we'll put the link to that in the show notes, and we'll let folks uh, know all about that. Uh, John, thank you so much for your time. This has been really, really rich and uh, and really, really helpful. I think for us uh, listening to you. So. Uh, thank you. Bless you in your ministry as you uh, carry on professoring, and uh, may your music exactly. be a blessing to us all uh, when it comes out. I'll so, let you know. Or well, you can we'll let look, me know. Yeah, we look forward to it. Thanks, John. All right. Thank all the best. Well, that was fascinating. 
uh, talking with John. Um, I really could have been there much, much longer. Um, yeah. Uh, it, any reactions, Lisa? What, what do you think? What, what jumped out as you is uh, really helpful? Yeah. I, you know, I think a couple of things really, but I mean, loads of this stuff, but I think that whole thing it, it, underlying all, all the kind of nice compassionate stuff that we do as church, I think we really do want people to get well, whatever that means. You know, we have a kind of deadline and it's like, oh, we don't kind of actually say, what do you mean you're, you're still ill? Are you still struggling with that? But we, we kind yeah. of subtly do have that thought sometimes. And I feel... I feel really challenged, you know, that actually there's a lot of stuff in people's lives that's like forever stuff, isn't it? And actually they can experience God in so many ways. Yeah, just just that kind of wellness in the midst of is a really important message, isn't it, I think? And, And just how we are as church, you know, a community of friends and we walk with each other, um, you know, because we all have stuff, don't we? It's not like none of us have stuff. We do. Some of us just more obvious than others. Yeah. And loving, caring, generous, kind to each other. It's just a massive thing that. And such an opportunity for us, actually, as a church, to be that community for people. Yeah, I, I think that's critical. You know, with my kind of mission hat on, you know, that, that, that that's something we should already at least know somewhat of how to do and recognise that, you know, we're not unique in offering that in the world, but but we're we're at the cutting edge of that we're 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 a place that's normally a safe space we're a place that's normally a place of you know quite significant diversity and um ought to have space for those who are um where it is okay not yeah what about you glenn anything that really jumped out for you yeah i think it's come up a couple of times in these conversations but this whole idea that we we, you know loving yourself and i i I like the way john put it you know we gotta it's not about being a narcissist but it it, but it is at least being willing to treat ourselves as we would treat our neighbors and and i think for many of our leaders you know they would they would drop anything to go and serve people but Mm -hmm. they would very rarely drop anything to go and go up a mountain or go out in a boat like John talked about Jesus doing and I and I do think and and when I say other people I I, I mean myself right I just put a, <laughs> a personal reflection there but I, I I think there's a there's something really significant just in that very practical how we manage ourselves through this uh through through our own uh, experiences of mental health is mm. um they're actually baked into the very heart of of our faith is is a way for us to begin to do that so so yeah that would be that would be the one of the things that really really struck me uh beyond what you were saying which is that um that kind of real reframing i think for me of 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 it's not necessary it's not our role to make people well necessarily but actually uh we we have a different purpose and and we a, a bigger view of of wellness or shalom that that allows us to 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 have space for those who who are not going to get well anytime soon Well, hopefully that has been a helpful podcast for those who are listening and that uh, this conversation between Lisa and I has been also helpful. 
we'll be back soon with uh, some more stuff on mental health and helping ourselves and more on uh, what it means to be uh, followers of Jesus on mission with him in Scotland today. This has been The Recast. I'm Glenn. I've been here with Lisa. And it's been brilliant to share this time with you. We are out.